Welcome to the Young Money Diet Podcast. Today, remotely joined with me, my co-host, Wasif, and I are going to be discussing the TFSA. But as always, we are going to start with the hot take, kind of pertinent to this topic. But so my hot take is I do not think most financial planners have their clients' best interests in their mind. And the reason I say that is because if I'm going to invest in a product that somebody is recommending to me, I want them, believe it or not, to earn a commission. And most financial planners mm. only charge a fee. So they don't really care if you're resting $10,000, if you gain 100% or lose 50% for that year, they're going to just earn their 2% or whatever fee. So that's my hot take is if you have a financial planner, make sure that they're looking out for your best interest. A lot of information that they tell you now is available for free on forms, you know, such as this podcast. Um, you, you compare that and contrast that with private equity or venture capitalists. They're charging a fee, but they're also charging a uh, 20% performance based on the actual return on the fund. So they're actually interested in growing, growing money and, and being part of that. Uh, that return so that, that they have their clients' best interests in mind. And because they also have that opportunity, they're going to be spending more time developing strategies and actually doing due diligence to invest in the right products or companies or services or whatnot. So that's my hot take. Um, I just love how Raj, Raj came out to play today. Like usually he comes in, he gets to get a little bit of a warm up, but you just came out swinging right away. I love it, man. But the couple of things I quickly want to mention. Number one, I really enjoyed the fact that you said, you know, you're actually okay with people earning a commission for the service that they're providing. A lot of people are always looking for free service. So I think there is some kind of value added if you are talking to someone who's really knowledgeable and, and, and doing the best that they can to grow your wealth and portfolio, right? So there must be a uh, cost associated with that. Number two, there are there is a term, and you might know more about this than I do, Raj. They're called fiduciaries. So fiduciaries legally are, uh, are supposed to act on the client's best interest. That's what their legal definitions are. So if you are ever confused about talking to your financial advisor and you don't know if they have your best interest in hand, ask a simple question. Ask them if they're a fiduciary. If the answer is no, take their advice with a grain of salt. Talk to somebody that you can trust. If you, if their advice is yes, eyes closed, go for it. That, that would be, that would be something I wanted to add to that. So jumping into the conversation and the disclaimer, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. So me as a charter financial analyst candidate um, and other CFAs, but other people within uh, the, the financial industry, we are obliged by the code of ethics that state that we must be a fiduciary. So this is the disclaimer for the topic of today for the TFSA. Anything that Wasif and I mention, um, work, anything, any strategy that we might mention might work for us. Um, but you really have to understand your risk, return, liquidity, legality, time horizon, taxation, unique circumstances, and make the best informed decisions for yourself. Um, so with TFSA, we want to get into what it is, why it's good, how to use it, some of the nuances. That by no means in this 20, 25 minute segment is going to cover all of the rules, whether that's taxation or all of the different things you can do within the TFSA. Um, so just make sure that you do the, do the um, investigating yourself. Reach out to WCF and I if you have specific um, questions. There's lots of information on CRA's website. Uh, so with that, uh, 
Why I'll, is I'll start us off. So yeah, like I really enjoyed that little uh, snippet there, Raj. So what you should also do if you're confused, we have a YouTube show. If you're not using the podcast form, just leave a comment there too. We, we periodically check that. We'd love to get back to you and, and forces us to kind of do homework and learn ourselves too. So just to, just to talk about it, because we said it's, it's TFSA, but I think acronyms and jargons and sometimes get in the way of actually understanding what things are, Raj. So I'd like to break it down. And what it is, is it's just called a tax-free savings account. So I don't, I think personally, it's an unfortunately named uh, term. It should honestly be called tax-free investment account because the, the biggest advantage and gains you're going to get by using this financial vehicle will be if you use it for investing in towards something, whatever that form might be. So um, a quick add to your disclaimer at this point is TFSA is a very, it's only applicable to the Canadian setting. I want to put that out for our listeners. If someone's out in the state side or Europe or wherever, um, in states, the equivalent will be, I believe you go guys go by Roth IRA. That's the account that we're talking about. There are definite similarities between them. Uh, in Europe, we're just not familiar with that market. But basically, I'm sure there is a financial vehicle that's similar to this that you can research and look into for yourself and, uh, and see what you can get from it. So essentially, uh, it, it, what it means is it's just a, sa- it's a savings account where you can Put your money, there's a certain amount of contribution limit, which Raj is going to discuss later on. And up to that limit, whatever extra money that you make by investing won't be taxed, which is why it's tax-free. And by the tax, usually what we refer to that as called capital gains. All that means is you invest hundred bucks. Let's say by the time 10 years later, that hundred dollars actually becomes $200. As long as it's within your contribution limit, the government won't tax that extra hundred dollars that you made. Whereas in a normal account, that'll be taxed at something called a capital gains rate. Very quick, um, simple understanding of what a TFSA is. So I think um, we should also really focus on why we should be using um, a TFSA and, and uh, even, even in general, like why we should be investing anyways. Because a lot of, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And one of the ones I want to address is, okay, so Canada has a very good, I would say, balance between like, you know, a social welfare system and, and a capitalistic economy. So a lot of people here think, okay, like if I have been contributing to the Canadian pension plan, I'm covered. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna retire at 65, whatever the age might be, and I'm just gonna be chilling. We'll have hopefully a house paid for because I'll, I'll, I would have purchased a house by then. So why are we, why are we doing this? This is ridiculous. So I just wanna, I just wanna throw that out there. So Raj, do you, do you know what an average Canadian pension plan uh, payout is every month to a senior citizen? Take a guess. Yeah. You know what's funny? Monthly. I actually don't. I, I, if I had to guess, it's probably. 300 bucks a month like it's probably not much okay I, I like that so it's it's you're roughly within the right ballpark it's 700 dollars per month 710 to be exact that's okay. the average payout so let's just work this out so if you're you know if you're a married couple who happen to retire together which is not everybody's case by the way i think that's the best case scenario so you can get around 1400 dollars per month from the government after you retire to be able to carry on your business if you have no additional savings on your own and I don't think, especially at that lifestyle, almost no one can survive on, at, at $1,400 per month. Here's a double woozy. That is also a taxed income. Like, it's not like, oh, you just get $1,400, you move on with your life every month. No, 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 no. Because it's no different than earning an income. So I, I 
just to kind of dip our toes a little bit into the income tax. So in Canada, the, in, there's federal and provincial, but let's say I'll, I'll talk in Alberta as an Ontario setting, just to kind of set up some examples. So in Alberta, um, let's say if you're earning $1,400 per month, when you're a senior citizen, you'll be roughly paying 25% tax. That's federal and Alberta combined together. So you're really only going to be taking, you know, out of 1,400, 25% out of that. So you're really only taking like $1,100, let's say, or less than that per month home. If there's two of you, if there's one of you, like 500 bucks, like by the, really what you said, Raj, like 300 after you, if you really think about it. In Ontario, it's very similar, but instead of in Alberta, it'll be 25. In Ontario, it's closer to 20% at that tax range. So you'll have a little bit more money, but not much. So um, what I want to mention here is a quick, like I'll leave a link in the episode, especially on the podcast and with the YouTube, I found an excellent tax calculator. It's called a Neuvo, N-E-U-V-O-O. It's super graphic, super awesome. It's got a little iceberg, has marine mammals kind of swimming around, but you just put in your amounts and it shows you what your tax is going to be. Just to kind of fact check my information and you should do it for yourself based on your income as well. Yeah, so, so for the, I, so I, I will defend myself why I don't know CPP and this is a perfect example of why you should look into the TFSA. The CPP is something that others are, we are depending on others for. You're depending on managers of these portfolios that you don't know. Right. Um, of course, they're probably managing it with their experience and their risk tolerance and with our best interests in mind, mm -hmm. but you should never depend on somebody else for your own nest egg and your own comfort. So anytime I'm doing my own calculations, I've actually never considered CPP um, because you also need to be contributing to it to get that full $700 like you mentioned. Yeah, so absolutely. So CFSA is a perfect avenue for you to drive your own success. Um, so let's get into how to start one. Uh, the easiest website, which I actually, believe it or not, I think has good information is the CRA's website. Right. Uh, it shows you that you need to have a social insurance number. You need to be 18 years old. And then based on how old you are, you can uh, have different amounts that I'll get into right away for how much you can contribute. Mm -hmm. And um, you can do everything online. So when I was 18, I applied on Toronto Dominions Bank um, online to open a TFSA. You just need your SIN number uh, and some other paperwork that you need to fill out. SIN number, date of birth, and I think a, like some kind of ID. Same on the state side too. It's just their SIN is called SSN, Social Security Number. But yeah, yeah. and then some institutions will make you go in to verify your identity. I would think most of them yep. for sort of way. So it's very, very simple to start. Um, so I'll get into the contribution limits and what it means. Uh, so we can also put a link to these description, uh, different numbers and values if, if this is not legible, but it does depend on your age and how, when they started the TFSA. So um, I, I just made it very simplistic. This is for 2021. So in 2021, the government has added $6,000 to the contribution room for everybody. Right. So if you turn 18 in 2021, you can contribute $6,000. And oh, wow. so I've got in my graph here, based on the year you were born um, or your age in 2021, this is how much you can contribute maximum. So um, just we're both 95 kids. So how much can we contribute if we're, we're both 25 years old, by the way? So go ahead. So right now we're 25. In 2021, we will be 26 years old. Right. Uh, we're born in 1995. We can contribute 55,500 total. So this, this is the total. And I'll, I'm going to raise this and kind of explain how this works. I'll keep 
1996ers, uh, because your number is really nice for next year, 50,000 as an example. Nice. So if you are 25 years old next year, you can contribute up to $50,000. You could, you could put in $50. You don't have to, there's no minimum for most accounts. Whatever you can manage to do every month, I highly encourage you put money into the TFSA. And like you mentioned, Receive, you shouldn't use it as a fancy savings account. You should be using this as an investment account, despite the name. It should be a really tax-free investment account. Right. So right now, let's pretend the year is 2021. I'm uh, 25 years old in 2021. Mm -hmm. um, and I have, let's say I'm, I'm very diligent. I've been contributing and I've got it maxed out at $50,000. You must so be a lucky man or woman. $50,000, which, you know, that's, that's a big chunk of change for someone who's 25 years old and uh, just getting started. But let's just, as theoretical, you've got $50,000. You cannot contribute another dollar in 2021 because we are maxed out. Mm -hmm. Let's say I want to pull this money out now to use it for something like a down payment or a wedding. I want to pull out, let's say, $20,000. So I pull out $20,000. I have $30,000 left in the account. Even though my maximum contribution limit is 50,000, because I was already there and I pulled 20,000 out, I still for the 2021 cannot contribute another dollar because I was already maxed out. Now, the beauty of the TFSA though, is you will get the money you pull out, that contribution room, available again for the following calendar year. So on January 1st of 2022, I will get this $20,000 back. So as the CRA sees it, I've only now contributed $30,000 at the beginning of this year, meaning I can go up back to my maximum contribution and the government usually adds another five or $6,000 per year. So for 2021, it was 6,000. For 2022, let's presume it's 6,000. So my maximum contribution room would be 56,000 total, meaning I could add my $20,000 back that I took out. Plus, plus another six, eh? Six or whatever the government mandates. And that mm -hmm. would be my maximum contribution room for my age group. So that's a very simplistic way of how the contribution limits work. Now, let's, let's go back to what you mentioned, Wasif, um, about earning money. In the, so there's different investment vehicles you can do within this. So I could have my $50,000 and leave it as cash and earn whatever the interest rate of the bank is, maybe 1%. Sure, yeah, like a savings account interest rate, right? But let's talk about the different investment vehicles. So I have, let's, let's keep with this example. I'm 25 years old next year. Right. Uh, I have $50,000 in this account. So what could I do with this? So there's actually quite a few things that we can do. Um, num number, I, I don't know if that's number one, but I'll put it in no particular order. Uh, num the simplest one is I could just leave cash in there. So if you are really, really, you know, you don't want to take any risk or you're closer towards your retirement, you're not 25, that would be a perfect thing. You just put in some cash in there. Maybe you just do the savings account and you just get a 1% interest rate or something similar, Raj. For anybody else, there are tons of other ways you can 
think about growing that money. So number one could be equity or stock. So for anyone who doesn't know what a, you know, equity or stock is, just pretend like your cousin Caroline came up to you with a dream catcher earring business and told you to invest $100 into her business. So yeah, so you invest $100 and you own 10% of the business, right? So you can do the exact same thing for much bigger companies like Apple or Microsoft or Amazon, whatever it might be, except your percentage will be a lot smaller. So you can put $100 to buy a certain percentage of Apple. It'll be a really, really, really small percentage of Apple because they're a much bigger company. So you can buy specific equities there. You can also look towards something called, um, I'll, I'll group them together, but they're ETFs or mutual funds. So ETFs, what it stands for is something called exchange traded fund and mutual fund kind of operates in a similar way, but they usually have different fees associated with it. So what that means is rather than just owning one company, you're going to buy a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund which is gonna be a group of companies that you purchase. So let's say Raj is really financially savvy. He's thinking, oh yeah, you know what? I know that banks make money. So I'm going to go and buy an ETF with respect to banks. So then now you're gonna buy, and that ETF will have Toronto Dominion, TD Bank, CIBC, BMO, our RBC, Scotiabank, whatever, like all your big banks, well, simple. They'll, they'll group that together and you can put your money towards that, towards that way. And then there's also, um, you know, going towards there's bonds, there's GICs, there is uh, REITs, which are real estate investment trust. But Raj, um, what are your thoughts on those? Like, just give us a quick uh, rundown on what they are. For sure. So for bonds, um, you can have corporate or you can have government bonds. And what a bond is, it's essentially a loan. So much like a company, let's, let's use that earring example, your cousin's earring business. Sure. So your cousin offered you 10% of their business for hundred dollars. Right. Um, alternatively, they could say, Hey, Wasif, I don't want to give you ownership of this business. I just need a loan from you. So how about we make a, a bond, which is essentially a loan. So at the upfront of the bond, we would agree I need a $100 loan for five years and I will pay you what is called a coupon, basically interest on that borrowed money, call mm -hmm. it 5% per year. So give me your $100 and every year I will pay you $5. And then at the end of the, the loan agreement, which was five years, I will give you your $100 back. That's what a bond is. So I'm guaranteeing you income, but you don't own any of my company. Whereas equity, you would actually own the earring business. So if my $1,000 earring business goes to $10 million and you said you own 10% of it, then you own a million money. dollars. But mm. if I had just given that bond agreement, you don't actually own that. I've just gone into a loan. And so bond is actually higher in the subordinate tranches of if a company actually fails, the bond owners get paid before the equity right. um, or the bond holders get paid before the equity uh, mm -hmm. holders. So that, that's essentially what a bond is um, there. You can, there's government bonds. So governments will raise capital through these loans as well. And a lot of those are, you know, if you, if your government isn't corrupt, you can reasonably expect that they're going to be paying. That's one of the safest investment vehicles that we have. Yeah. Available. yeah. Um, a real estate investment trust is, a company that owns many, many different income properties and you can own basically it's, it's like equity, but for those companies. So you can, instead of going to buy a rental property yourself, because that takes a lot of money and time and management, you can invest in a real estate investment trust that has 
a bunch of income generating properties, whether that's residential, it could be commercial, it could be hospitals, it could be retail. Mind you, with COVID, you know, I'm wondering how the retail businesses yeah. are going to do. So that's essentially what a real estate investment trust is. And every month you get paid uh, distributions. It's similar to a dividend. We can explain what dividends are too. Um, but it's you get paid a distribution, basically that rental income, based right. on the amount of uh, real estate investment trust uh, stocks that you hold. Right. Yeah. So the, a couple of quick things that I want to add on to that. So um, I, I want to highlight like why it's really, really important for for younger people like us. And if you have any, you know, any listener at any age group to start investing as soon as possible, because I want to kind of highlight the, the value of time. Like we all think about like, you know, like we put a certain amount of money in, a certain amount of money comes out, obviously, hopefully more because that'll be the investment income. But let's just, uh, let's just work through a couple of examples. So let's say we have um, Fido the fish and, and Harambe the gorilla. Both of them, they're both like thinking about investing. So Fido the fish is 25 years old today. And Harambe the gorilla is 45. So you go in and Fido goes in and all he does is thinking, okay, you know, I don't make a lot of money. So I'll just do $1,000 a year, which is $83 a month, which most of us should be able to do. So all he does is does $83 a month for 20 years. So he does it between ages 25 to 45. So Harambe is already at 45. It's like, okay, all right. So I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just going to put in uh, $83 a month for 20 years. So when they're both at age 65, Harambe the gorilla has $98,000, assuming an 8% average annual interest, not interest rate, but basically a rate of return on the stock market or whatever it might be. So Harambe has $98,000, but Fido does it from age 25 to 45 and doesn't contribute anymore. So Fido puts in the same amount of money, which is 20,000 for both of them, and then just doesn't put in anymore, but there's another 20 years that the money grows by. So Fido, when he's 65, has $243,000. So the difference between two of them is Fido has $144,000 more for investing the same $20,000 that Harambe does, but they, yeah. Fido's money just grows for another 20 extra years, which is almost quadruple the amount of gain that you get. So I really, really do want to emphasize, you know, that, that we, a lot of us have the, um, advantage of being still young or we, we have time ahead of us. So just find some time. Like the first person you should always be paying is yourself. Set yeah. yourself up for a later on down the future where you don't have to rely on any other method and just, just have a little bit of money. Like 83 bucks a month is shouldn't hopefully break the back for most people. Right. And if we just continue doing that, you have, you will see that it, it's actually mostly on your side. Like Albert Einstein had a fantastic quote. He said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. For those who understand it, it, they earn it. For those who don't understand it, they pay it. So yeah. make sure you're on the right side. Make sure you're on the understanding side. Hopefully if you're teaming in, you're, you're kind of interested in this. And then like, you don't have to be complex here. Just go to your financial institution. Like that's where Raj started. He said he went to TD when he was 18 years old. I did the same. Now I'm with Scotiabank. So now mine's with Scotia. And then just go in, like I said, just you need an ID and your social insurance number and just say, I'm going to start a TFSA account and start contributing towards that. And then 
if you're if you're safer side, you can start into bonds, TICs. If you're a little yeah. bit more adventurous, you can look towards exchange traded funds, which we recommend, or mutual fund, or even like you know, like if you really really love like one company, you're a Harley Davidson guy, you're you're into motorcycles. That is another way for you to vote for your company. Put your money, put your faith in that specific one. Although that's not for everybody, but if you're really risk averse and you have no problem, like you know, on a, on a day-to-day downturn, because you're really waiting for that 40-year gain, over time, things usually pan Yeah. So what are I, your current personal... I want to I wanna emphasize the compound interesting, and I will use uh, the example of the 25-year-old within the TFSA, and this is why... This is, this is kind of my strategy, and this is why I really think it's a beautiful thing. And this will wrap the conversation up. Of course, you know, we can't explain all the nuances in 20 minutes, but I hope... This at least in spark, sparks questions for some yeah. of the people. For you to look into. Yeah. So for, um, I like your Fido and Harambe. So if, let's say you've got a 25-year-old next year and they've got $50,000, they're killing it. Um, and they invest in many different avenues. And let's use three examples. Let's use conservative, mm-hmm. 3%, 6%, and 8%. So the S&P 500, it depends who you ask, the average return of the S&P 500, which is the top 500 companies in the US, mm-hmm. returns an average of 10%. I am going very conservative here. Right. If the government of Canada decides to withhold this $6,000 limit every year for the next 25 years, and not even increasing with inflation, let's keep it at 6000 Right. If you invest $6,000 every year for 25 years, so you're 25 years old and now you're 50 years old, you've put $6,000 into your TFSA every single year because the government keeps building the Yep. Here's the difference in compounding interest. So this would be $325,000. That's going very conservative, yeah. 560,000. That's for 6%. Okay. And 8% is almost a million dollars. 825,000. Now, if you're doing the math, 6,000 for 25 years with just cash, no investments is only $200,000. So you can see this one's gained 125,000 in interest. This one's gained 360 and et cetera. Yeah. Here is the beautiful thing about the tax-free savings account. This money you've earned is tax-free. And you mentioned CPP. Why don't you bet on yourself? If you've got, let's say you've got half a million dollars, okay? That's less than 6% a year. $500,000 and you invest in dividends once you're 50 years old. Presumably your mortgage is paid off. You don't have a lot of debts. Even if you earn just 5% a year on a dividend, whether that's a bank stock, Enbridge, a bonds that pay 5%, um, real estate investment trust, that's $25,000 a year tax-free that you can pay yourself every single year. You're driving that, not some manager of the CPP. This is much more than the CPP. Yeah. And this is more than enough. And this is also an example for one person. If you're married, turn this into a million. Yeah, pretty easy. So, I know we've taken a very simplistic approach, but I want people to recognize my numbers are extremely conservative. I used 6%, which the average S&P 500 is presumably 10%, something I don't 
really believe is sustainable, but let's just call it 10%. I'm using less than 6% in my example. And this $25,000 a year is more than enough money if you've got no debts and you can manage your financing. That makes sense. So I, I yeah, again, I completely echo your opinion, Raj. Like you, you kind of get into it. Two points that you mentioned, which I love, which is take take ownership of your future because you know if if you externalize that ownership into the government or even anybody else, it just kind of there's an uncertainty. There's always a cloud above your head. So if you are starting to drive some of these conversations and, and, and ownership in your life, it helps you get in the driver's seat and take some of that anxiety away from retirement or, or or you know like just financial planning in general. And the second is is I think we are both in agreement. The best time to invest in something was yesterday. The next best time was today. Just to start today. So we can't control what happened yesterday. It's already the, the ink is dry. But if we can, if we can get going for for our future tomorrow, and that would be that's really what we can control. That's within our realm of control. So a, a fantastic conversation, Raj. I, I I love to kind of expand on some of the things that you said here on hopefully a future episode. Maybe we can talk about what investment vehicles do we personally use. What are the institutions we are with. Um, there's actually quite a few areas we disagree on in terms of like where we invest and things like that. So I'd love to delve deeper into that on a future episode. But uh, for now, I think we can wrap this one up. So Raj, so thank you for listening. Thank you for all our viewers that tuned in through the podcast form. We'll leave a YouTube link because unfortunately, this was more of a visual discussion for, for you guys. So you guys can yeah. check that out. And then uh, remember to stay hungry. And stay humble. Catch you later.